McCutcheon, and welcome to Grit, Grace, and Coffee Grinds. You're listening to Episode 6. This is a podcast intended to compel the army of God to love and protect the church. Folks, love is a battlefield, and sometimes we just need to pause, sharpen our sword, drink a good cup of joe, and remember that we are not fighting in this war alone. We all want to make an impact for the Lord, for our families, for our churches, and of course ourselves. Every other Friday, we talk here about one way to do that well, and today is no different. Spoiler alert! If you are a current, diehard, caramel macchiato fan, and you don't want your whipped cream dreams melted by knowing that there is, in fact, no caramel syrup in this yummy beverage, then please feel free to stop listening and live in blissful, vanilla-filled ignorance. As to those of you who don't mind that I started with the punchline, espresso yourself with a sip from your neighbor's drink and listen on, friend. The Italian word macchiato simply means marked or stained. So in coffeeology, all that means is that the beautiful, white, fluffy cloud of steamed froth is marked with delicious golden shots of espresso. Unlike most lattes, however, this drink starts out with a never-out-of-style flavor of vanilla, followed by the steamed whole milk. It is then topped with the bold shots of caffeinated courage and finished with the trademark zigzag of caramel sweetness. This is the perfect drink for us coffee addicts who don't like to wait for the punchline of a joke or who prefer a wake-up flavor rather than a wake-up call. If you like one-liners perfect comebacks, and sweet, wholesome endings to feel-good stories, take it from me. The only way you could go wrong is ordering it upside down. This is a common mistake made by coffee novices. I, too, was in this club in my college days. I heard one coffee patron order a small caramel macchiato upside down, please, and I was hooked. Something about the word upside down drew my adventurous mind and taste buds in. What was the difference between an upside-down caramel macchiato and a right-side-up one? Was the espresso on the top or the bottom? Did the caramel syrup get demoted to the bottom of the plastic Dixie cup and vanilla finally got the spotlight it deserved? I was so intrigued that I started ordering this new fantastic drink every time I ordered coffee. I didn't have a clue how it was made or what I was essentially asking for, but it sure made me feel like Mary Poppins inside when she would use her supercalifragilisticexpialidocious word. It made me feel like I knew of a drink no one else did. In fact, the second time I ordered, the barista behind the counter gave me a strange look and asked, so you want the shots on the bottom like a vanilla latte? Okay, I don't remember exactly what I said. My first thought, though, was, no! I want a caramel macchiato. Caramel, not a vanilla latte. I didn't even say the word vanilla. Anyway, I finally stammered out, uh, yeah, yeah, yep, that you got it. I really wanted to ask if the caramel zigzag was still part of the package deal, but I just couldn't bring myself to feel any more ignorant. I just wanted my drink, and I wanted to go back to my Mary Poppins sophistication fantasy. Needless to say, 
I lived in my upside-down fantasy until I finally landed a barista job at a Barnes & Noble cafe. In just one week's time, the caramel macchiato myth was unraveled for me, as was my desire for anything upside-down. I learned that I truly preferred the traditional caramel macchiato, especially when it was iced. An iced caramel macchiato is aesthetically classy because of its intrinsic artistic look. Don't take my word for it. Go, try one, and unravel your own macchiato myths. Our general, the Lord Jesus Christ, does not favor believers who seem to be perpetually ignorant regarding their orders. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.14, we learn that he expects us to not be ignorant. Not knowing the truth is one thing, but willingly ignorant, deliberately staying in the dark, is not something God tolerates. He expects us to study and search the scriptures that we may use truth to combat the enemy's attacks. Let's unravel another common myth together, shall we? Be your best self. Be the best version of you that you can be. Is this what God expects from his soldiers? Of course, this depends on who or what we are emulating. This sentiment is often attached to the natural man, though, and quite literally ripping the church apart. In my opinion, it is one of his greatest lies targeted at the church and is having a ravenous pleasure gnawing away on the hearts and minds of soldiers everywhere. Truth. Without Jesus, we are nothing. Nothing. We cannot be the best in and of ourselves. Only done in the name of Jesus and through his favor and power will our works be treasures laid up in heaven. Let us not forget that the best version of us is what took the only begotten son to the cross. There is no good version of me, let alone best, without him. Now I know soldiers need their precious R&R, especially right now. I strongly recommend you to grow in Christ daily, recuperate, strengthen your grip on your shield, and be a bold display to the world of the unmistakable love of the cross and the power that you have in Christ. In other words, don't waste any time nurturing and coddling your idol factory, aka your flesh. To your flesh, you will always be better than everyone else. You will deserve more than everyone else. You will love your neighbor better than anyone else loves their neighbor. You will give more to charity than anyone else. You will win disagreements more than anyone else. You will always give the best advice to everyone who asks for it. You will be invited to more weddings than anyone else. In a nutshell, your flesh will find you flawless. And the thing is, you are you are a flawless beauty in the eyes of your Savior, because when he looks at you, covered in redeeming love, he sees only his son. How awesome! He sees the form of a servant who became obedient unto death. Pride wasn't with Jesus on the cross. Humility was, though. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. I am nothing, and he is everything. Thanks for listening to episode six of Grit, Grace, and Coffee Grinds. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, I post weekly to Instagram where you can find me at author Anna McCutcheon. And you can also find me over at annamccutcheon.com. 
we provide a transcript for each episode, so if you know someone who either can't hear or prefers reading to listening, you can download the transcript at annemcutchen.com slash podcast. Just click on episode six for this one. And now I will leave you with a poem entitled, My Name is Pride. My name is Pride. I am a cheater. I cheat you out of your God-given destiny because you demand your own way. I cheat you out of contentment because you deserve better than this. I cheat you of knowledge because you already know it all. I cheat you of healing because you are too full of you to forgive. I cheat you of holiness because you refuse to admit when you're wrong. I cheat you of vision because you'd rather look in the mirror than out a window. I cheat you of friendship because nobody's going to know the real you. I cheat you of love because real romance demands sacrifice. I cheat you of God's glory because I convince you to seek your own glory. My name is Pride. I am a cheater. You like me because you think I'm always looking out for you. Untrue. I'm looking to make a fool of you. God has so much in store for you, I admit. But don't worry. If you stick with me, you'll never know. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.